When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Today on Barca Talk, the football from FC Barcelona just got a makeover. Kike Setien managed his first game against Granada, a 1-0 win for Barca with a goal from Lionel Messi, and the aesthetic factor of their play was much higher than we've seen for some time. Setien's arrival has had ripple effects into Barcelona B, and Barca will face Ibiza in the Copa del Rey this week. Welcome to Barca Talk, the podcast for FC Barcelona fans. I'm your host in Buffalo, New York, Brian Henderson. And joining me from Madrid is my co-host and your tactical analyst, Gabriel Quiroga. Brian, Brian, my Barca brother from another mother. How are we doing, buddy? Enthusiastic. (laughs) I feel enthusiastic. Nice, nice. That was a fun game to watch. Finally. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, for sure. You know, not, you know, it wasn't uh, like a magical transformation, but it was certainly more entertaining than we've had under Valverde's watch. Definitely. I mean, from the get-go, you could just see that there was better discipline, better focus. And yeah, it was just the first game, but, you know, you have to be happy with what you saw, just especially in the last 15 minutes with Artur and Ricky Puig coming in. Yeah. Now, we're recording this right in the window in between the end of the Granada game for Barcelona and... The NFL game between the 49ers and the Packers, you're pulling for the Niners and you're going to stay up super late to watch it. How are you feeling? I'm feeling good. I've, I've been I'm prepared, Brian. I've been waiting all day. I took a nap today. Um, I, you know, fed myself well, you know, so I'm ready to go after we record the podcast. It's just task number two on my sporting list tonight. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I'll be staying up tonight. I mean, I have to because, you know, these opportunities don't come very often, even though it's going to be late. And luckily, I don't have to work till later on tomorrow morning. So, I'm able to watch the game. And so, yeah, I'll be able to watch the game on the Skype with some friends as well. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to it as well. Well, for you and for my wife, I will say go Niners. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I don't really feel like I have a horse in this race. Okay. <laughs> yeah. But let's get into it. Uh, we have a lot to cover. Our new manager, Kike Setien, sat down for an interview that was posted on Barcelona's website last week. And um, our take on what he had to say is in the members version of this episode. If you aren't a member, join up now to get a private podcast feed so you can hear it. There's a link to that in the show notes. Now, for those of you who are not members, uh, let's talk about transfers. There isn't a ton to talk about, but I do want to point out that that Barcelona has now loaned out two players, Alenia and Toribo, and have not signed anyone new from outside of the club. Well, just really quickly on Todibo, you know, we were talking on our last episode how we were hoping that they would void <laughs> void the transfer. That didn't yeah. happen. And I heard a quote that they were upset or they're not upset, but the, you know, the the scouting or the directors were upset that Todibo wasn't turning out to be the Varane of our team. Is that what we're looking for? Like uh, the next Varane, you know, from Madrid? <laughs> I, I don't think he's I mean, he's good, but I don't think he's that great, you know. I think he's a very solid defender, but Again, is that what we're, that's the, you know, that's the benchmark that we're looking for. And that's one of the quotes I read about, um, Tony Bo's transfer is that he wasn't stacking up to be like Veron. And I'm like, well, I don't want him to be Veron. I want him to be him, like active all over. And again, tonight when I was watching the match, 
Again, I just would have loved to have seen Todibo in this formation. Did that have to do with how Varane plays or the impact that Varane has for Real Madrid? I have no idea. Okay. <laughs> because, because again, like, for example, if you were to say, you know, we're looking for the Iniesta, you know, as a midfielder, I get that because that's what we're looking for. We're looking for technical, fast, you know, quick thinking player, that type of idea. But to compare him to Varane on Madrid, who plays a totally different style than we want him to play, I just don't understand the comparison. And when we brought Todibo in, that wasn't really the – that wasn't our goal with him. We weren't trying to say, oh, he's going to be the next Varane. I never – you know, I just thought that was very interesting. <laughs> well, apparently it was. Yeah. We just didn't know. <laughs> it's so <laughs> strange. to themselves. This poor Todibo, man. I just hope we buy him back, man. I really do because, again, I don't know – Well, he is just on loan. It's just a loan. I know. I know. But I'm just – you know, I really hope that we just bring him back because – that he does get playing time when he does come back because I think there's something special and I want to – investigate him more right i want to make sure that i want to see him play more so i can say okay he is a great player or he's not right because what we've seen right now we've only seen a couple games but the flashes he's shown is enough for me to have confidence for him to stay on the team well reasonably if we watch Schalke, we will see more toady bow in action <laughs> let's get speaking that. of which yeah. carlos alenia uh started with real betis over the weekend yeah in a a win for Betis and he played very well and I think he as much as he might be sort of kicking himself now having left Barcelona for Betis he maybe he's perfectly happy there to be doing what he's doing yeah I mean he had the he started tonight and I had one eye on the match today when I was doing some other things and yeah he he definitely contributed a lot to the team and now all of a sudden that midfield is very formidable um you know who knows what how far they can go with him because now they have he, not only is he good but he's really talented on the one V one, you know, he doesn't have to, he can beat people and he can, he's fast and he's physical. And so that's what they were kind of missing. They put him on the right side, Brian. And he, I mean, he looks so comfortable. And also, you know, it's one of those things where, you know, sometimes you just need an opportunity, right? You just need the coach to believe in you. And that's all it takes, you know, and Ruby, who's the coach of Betis knows perfectly well how good Elena is because when he was a coach at Espanol, I'm sure, you know, he knew or he was scouting or saw. And, of course, you know, he he put him right in the starting 11, and Alenia had a great match. Yeah, so I hope we get him back at some point as well. That's just my personal hope, but you never know how football works. But as far as the whole issue of transferring players out, loaning players out, and not bringing players from outside of the club in, this is creating space and room for members of the B team to get time with the first team. Case in point, Ricky Puj made the squad list for Setien's first match, and the club could offer him a first-team contract at any time, and he came on in the 71st minute, and he, I think his inclusion in the squad uh, really changed things for the better in that game. For sure, and then also, just this, you know, also Setien this week was at more, I think he went to one or two Barca B matches this year, or this week, and that was already one more than Valverde did in the last two years. So that just kind of <laughs> tells you what... Setien believes in the in the Masia, right? Because he's trying to see if there's anything we can get from there before we have to go into the transfer mark, which I think is a, a brilliant idea. Putting these players, Perez, Fatih, and Puj, just the three of them on the squad, is huge because now all of a sudden the players now are realizing, okay, he may go to youth, but also gives confidence to those players that they can play at this level. And you saw tonight when Puj came in. I mean, he he was a difference maker. Yeah. Now, also, if we if we need an option. <laughs> Arda Turan is, we mentioned this last episode, Arda Turan is still on the on the team. Or he's back from loan. Yeah. And uh, right now he seems to be sort of in limbo. But 
he he could be an option. Man, one one of the biggest mistakes I ever made was getting that Turan jersey. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, do you think there's any chance that Setien will use him? No, I mean, no. I imagine he'll no. be transferred out. Yeah, I mean, they got to sell him for whatever and just take the loss because he's. I mean, you just can't have him on the team. He's just not good enough. He's just not a Barca player. He's just more more problems than anything and yeah you just got to sell him to whoever you know whoever you 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 tell the other team that you're going to pay you know most of his salary or something and just get him off the books you know as soon as possible yes now moving on and looking ahead to this week barcelona will enter the copa del rey this wednesday against ud ibiza in the round of 32 they're going to be visiting the small island for the first leg and ibiza are in the segunda b division currently third place in their group but here's the fun thing they were founded in 2015 so this will be the first time that the two teams have ever met yeah definitely I, and i told you in the quote when we were writing up the document that the uh, chairman was very serious about this he said we are not a nightclub we are a serious club <laughs> what, <laughs> oh such, come on it was such a great quote you know people made means of it and everything was great but yeah, yeah i mean again I'm, I'm hoping for this you know for this first leg especially just to turn out the youth and just I'm hoping, right? I'm hoping we'll we'll definitely see what happens with who he brings to the island. You know, uh, again, I would love to see Barca B team and you know reserves for this for this Copa del Rey campaign. Yeah, and it will be a night game, so I'm kind of hoping a little bit of a nightclub atmosphere. <laughs> you know, hope to have the the disco lights around the stadium before you know before the game for sure for sure you know yeah, yeah. but just yeah disco lights and just a whole lot of. <laughs> <laughs> I really, I really liked your pronunciation on the on the Z on Ibiza. Ibiza? Yeah, no, very good. So how you do it? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think that'll be a really interesting and fun game to watch, especially presuming that Setien will bring youth with him. Yeah, I mean, again, we'll, again, who's he going to bring out there? You know, in the midfield, I could see Artur, you know, Ricky Puig, you know, Perez, Fati, you know, all the all those guys, and again. I'm 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 excited to see how he approaches his Copa del Rey because yeah we do want to go far in this competition but at the same time I just think it's a really great opportunity just to use the youth solely for this competition to give him confidence and get some some more experience in this type of competition again we'll we'll definitely see every it just seems now every game is a surprise we just don't know what the approach is because we just know don't have a track record with him yes and it'll take a while for us to really develop a. Uh a sense of Setien and what he's going to do. So it's really fun right now because we can't predict what's going to happen. Yeah, exactly. And before, it was so predictable, right? And right. So <laughs> right. Kinda, it's, I mean, it's just like when you start dating someone. Okay, and, you know, tell me more. <laughs> well, you know, you you meet someone, you start dating, it's all brand new, you're getting to know them, it's very exciting. And, you know, presumably you like each other. So there's just a lot of excitement at first. And then over time, you know, you've been with someone for five years <laughs> that's my experience at least and uh you know you start to reevaluate not in my current situation i'm very happy with megan i'm very glad i married her but and then, the and then yeah yeah and then you fire them then you fire the girlfriend you get another girlfriend right exactly <laughs> yeah you bring in new blood yeah and one of your questions in the first date what is your strategy for the copa del rey right <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so what are you thinking for Copa del Rey? Yeah, okay. I'm going <laughs> to yeah. go on a second day with you. Okay, sounds yeah. good. Sounds good. Yeah, totally. Again, I'm I'm just really looking forward to the matches now just because I know our philosophy is kind of back. And, you know, now, you know, before with this Wednesday match under Valverde, I might have just said, okay, Brian, I'm probably going to tape it and watch it the next day and then we record and talk about it. But now, especially after tonight's uh, performance, 
I just know we're going to trend up and I just I'm looking forward and I want to see more goals and the attacking style that we can possess. Yeah. Now, here's the question that comes up for me. Setien was released from Betis last year. Over the summer, he was already available. People were talking about replacing, well, a lot of fans were suggesting that Valverde get replaced. Setien's name was one that came up, among others. Why do you think the club didn't make this move last summer? I really just think Bartomeu was fine with Valverde for another year and was happy just to ride out the season because he had just won La Liga, even though yeah. the debacles in Champions League. And I just think that he was okay with that. And, you know, you you brought up a really good point last time, and I'm, I was starting to think about that more. I think that's more true to the point where they had this kind of line of demarcation of the Supercopa weekend and they were going to make a decision from that and say, because Bartomeu was talking to coaches for the last couple of months and you don't do that without having this deadline of the Supercopa. It wasn't because of the performance of the Supercopa. I just think it just kind of, that was the deadline and then they made the decision. And again, obviously when you make a coaching decision, you always want to make it during the summer because then the coach has full autonomy of the scheduling of getting to know the players, the preseason and really kind of implementing a system. Now, we're lucky because our players are veterans, they're smart, and they know what to do, and they just need a you know a couple tweaking of here and there. But usually this could go really bad, you know, and we're off to a good start. We got the win, and we'll see what happens, you know. I just think we're going to build off of this, and also, you know, like I said, just the overall philosophy and energy is will go huge for this team. Yeah. Setien's appointment has had effects on the Barcelona B team as well. Here with a report on the B team is Max Bluer. Exciting times at Football Club Barcelona, with the arrival of Kike Setien as manager having sent a shiver of excitement through every facet of the club, including Barcelona. As the old cliche goes, a new manager means that all the players start off from scratch with an equal chance to prove themselves. Several youngsters, particularly Ricky Puj, were beginning to feel they were never going to get a chance in the first team under Valverde, but the arrival of Setien has given them a new lease of life. Setien's very first training session at Barca included Ricky Puj, and the kid upon whom so many Kule hopes are pinned seems to have permanently entered into the first-team dynamic. Ricky has gone straight into the squad for the first-team's game against Granada on Sunday, something that almost certainly wouldn't have happened had Valverde been in charge. And it's not just Ricky who seems to have benefited from the arrival of the man from Cantabria. Abadurit and Ronald Araujo have also taken part in first-team training sessions this week. Although the latter's promotion within the Barcelona setup had been continuing at pace since before Setien arrived, Jean-Claude Todibo's departure on loan to Schalke effectively leaves the young Uruguayan as Barca's fourth-choice centre-back. Abadurit, however, is a more interesting case. His poor start to the season, during which he has often failed to make the starting eleven for Barca Bay, has seen the club open the door to him to leave as he seeks to kickstart his professional career. But the season-ending injury to Luis Suarez has suddenly left Barca a bit short in the centre-forward position. Setien has told the club that he wanted to have a look at all of the options available to him before deciding whether or not to use the January transfer window to replace Suarez. It seems that Ruiz has one last chance to impress the new manager before he's ushered out of the club. Unlike Ricky, though, Abad Ruiz was not included in the first-team squad for the Granada game, despite the first-team's relative lack of options up front, which would imply that Setien didn't like what he saw enough to keep the forward out of the club beyond January. Ruiz might be missing out on an opportunity, if and when he does leave, as Setien has proven throughout his career that he's not afraid to give young players a chance. Better striker Loren Moron became a prolific goalscorer under Setien, while Junior Firpo flourished under his management, and we know where he ended up. Setien also talks a good game, saying that he, quote, never afraid to play the youngsters as long as he's seen them in training, which will be music to the ears of those youngsters that have been involved in Setien's training sessions, including Puj, Araujo, Iñaki Peña, Anzufati, and Carlos Perez. 
One of Setien's first acts as Barca manager was to turn up at the Estadio Hancoif on Wednesday to see Barca Bay beat Badalona 2-1 and move into third place. Badalona started the game the brighter, dominating possession in the opening minutes and taking the lead on the stroke of half-time, seconds after the ref had waved away a very decent shout for a penalty for a foul on Hiroki Abe, who again started the match as the central striker at the expense of Riche. But the boys showed impressive mental fortitude to come out for the second half all guns blazing and equalised shortly after half-time thanks to an absolute screamer from Montju. As the ball dropped to him 20 yards out, he spanked a volley into the top corner that would have surely have impressed the watching first-team coach. Montju was captain for the game as regular captain Francis Arsenales, who had only just returned from a long spell out against Espanyol the previous week, succumbed in training to a knee injury that may well have ended his season, the poor guy. Barcebe toiled on in search of the winner, which duly came with five minutes left, when right-back Danny Morea burst forward, cut onto his left foot and snuck one past the keeper at his near post to give Barcebe a deserved win. In their previous game, back on the 4th of January, Barcebe had beaten Espanyol Bay 2-0 in the so-called mini-derby. In a tense game, Araujo from a free-kick and a collado golazo gave the boys a deserved victory. If it was tense on the pitch, however, it was just plain horrible in the stands. The Barca Ultras turned up in force to this game and were an absolute disgrace. According to El País, chants of death to Espanyol, insults to the memory of Espanyol's late captain Dani Yake, and even Nazi slogans were all heard coming from the stands populated by the Barca Ultras. Yet these morons were only kicked out by security once they let off a flare in the stands, and the referee's report after the game didn't even acknowledge that such vile chants had taken place. Barcelona told El Pais that those responsible were only about 20 in number and had already been banned from the Camp Nou, and that they went to the Johan Cruyff in order to give these ultra groups some publicity. Barcelona have since released a statement in which the club says that it will be looking to prosecute the chanters for hate crimes, and that they will be banned from the Johan Cruyff and the training complex in general, as well as the Camp Nou, a measure that should have been taken at the same time as the original ban from the stadium. Barcebe ended the game against Badalona in the dizzying heights of third place, and will be looking to consolidate themselves in the playoff spots as the season wears on. The boys take on Nastic a few hours after recording this, while next weekend they welcome Echea. For Barca Talk, I'm Max Bluer. Now next up, we will break down that Granada match in detail. So, this was Granada. They visited the Camp Nou for La Liga match day 20. We got a 1-0 win out of it. So, from the results perspective, Setien's maiden voyage was a success. Yes, and there was a little bit of doubt there for a little bit, you know, especially in the 70th minute or so. was kind of pressing a little bit, but yes. I mean, I think overall, Brian, I was very satisfied with the match. Obviously, there's a couple things I would, you know, like to comment and advise on, but I think overall, Brian... It was, uh, first of all, the defense was far superior than what we've seen in a long time. And that's just because we had about 90% possession. Yeah, well, 82 and a half, yeah. <laughs> which is, I think, the highest percentage possession we've had all season long. Yeah, but it was like really solid possession. I mean, it was like possession where Granada had maybe one shot on goal that hit the post, right? That would lucky counterattack. But other than that, they never had the ball. And we were actually trying to do things forward. And that was the biggest difference where we weren't just trying to go side to side, you know. And also at the beginning, on the onset, we saw the squad sheet and everyone was saying 4-3-3. I was a little bit upset. But we saw, you know, right away it was a different formation. And the reason you think it was a 4-3-3 is because of the personnel, yeah. right? You see Jordi Alba, Umtiti, PK, Sergio Roberto right off the bat. That's four backs. Yeah. And then Rakitic, Busquets, Vidal, that's three midfielders. Fati, Messi, Griezmann, obviously three attackers. So it really looks like 4-3-3. But knowing how Alba can get forward, that's how Setien played him, was 
almost always forward. So it was more like a three, five, messy two. You know, because Messi was moving around so much. So I was trying to figure out if he was a false nine or what was he trying to do, right? And I guess in the greater context, I would just call this a three, five, one, one in that kind of sense, in that there was a three back. So you had Roberto, Umtiti, and PK. And then you had Busquets, Vidal, Rakitic. And then on the wings, you had uh, Alba and Fati, essentially. And then you had Messi, Griezmann. And then Messi was going left and right and Fati was interchanging. So really, you know, your midfield, especially with Busquets, Vidal, Rakitic, were moving all around in the center spot with Busquets usually hanging out in the center. Now, I thought it was really interesting. It took them a while to figure out their spacing and so forth because it was obviously a big change. But once they were able to find their footing, their spacing, they were really able to make some creative plays and that's how they scored the goal. But again, Brian... It's one of those things where still, I just think you have to play Griezmann up the middle more. And he was playing to the left and to the right sometimes. But there were a lot more line-breaking passes than we saw under Valverde. There was a lot more movement, uh, even though the midfield was all over 30. It was <laughs> definitely a you know over 30 recreational midfield. <laughs> yeah. But highly skilled. Busquets looked very sharp, yeah. very on his game. And you know, as far as his, his mobility, he, sure, he's not as fast as he once was. But he looked very good on the ball. He did. I mean, he was distributing. More importantly, uh, for me, let's let's start like in the back. Let's start with the defense, right? And I okay. thought putting Sergio Roberto as a third back, I thought that was an interesting move. And I think he really shined. I mean, he was able to anticipate a bunch of balls, uh, make good passes, and he wasn't exposed. And as well as Umtiti. I think Umtiti was able to roam freely. And you can just see how gifted he is at anticipating. I mean, how many times were they trying to counter and Umtiti just intercepted the ball? I mean, that to me is brilliant, right? Because then all of a sudden we just get the ball back, we keep possession. So I think the defense really played well tonight. Also, just everyone just knew their role better. You know, there was just more communication and understanding already. And this is just from four days of practice, you know, so it's really remarkable. But, you know, with the defense, I'm I'm good with that three back because I think what I saw tonight, if Umtiti plays like he did tonight, he's able to... You know, and, you know, he's able to be kind of the free safety, essentially. He's able to roam free. PK was back there. Again, PK wasn't under duress that much, you know, yeah. and neither was Ter Stegen. I think Ter Stegen would have had two shots on him, if that. And the whole time he was able just to walk around. Yeah. I mean, if officially, Granada had four shots, but zero were on target. Yeah. Yeah. And again, the other thing, too, is remember at the beginning of the match, they were pressuring us and we were able to break that down pretty easily and calmly. So that to me was a big difference as well. Yeah, and Granada was playing a a, a four five one essentially, yeah, yeah, like four two three one. But they had a, a packed midfield, and we still managed to break down their press. Yeah, I mean, this goes down to the midfield now. I mean, today, you know, tonight's starting midfield was a patchwork midfield because of red cards, especially to Zhang and also the Arthur's injury. But we cannot start this midfield again. I'm sorry because, you know. Vidal and Rakitic are just not fluent enough in the system. Now, Vidal had a really nice assist. Again, it's to me that play was a little hacky, just the way the back heel, because I just think it's more luck than anything with that with that pass for Vidal, right? Because I, I don't just, I don't think he's an offensive creative player, but he made a nice assist that led to a really nice goal. We'll talk about that in a minute. But <laughs> overall, overall. The triangle or the yeah, the triangle of Busquets and Vidal and Rakitic is still too slow. It doesn't matter who the manager is, it's still too slow. You saw immediately when Puig came in how he was going from left to right, in and out. 
that's what that's what a Barca midfielder is. And these guys are not Rakitic, unfortunately. It's just he's just old now, and he just doesn't move as much. And also the other thing too, why is he playing on the left? I want him to be on the right. That's the other thing. So again, I hope we don't see this starting midfield again. Yeah, but well, like you said, it was out of necessity. So mm-hmm. moving forward, assuming everyone's fit, no one's suspended, what's your perfect midfield? Oh yeah, it's going. I mean, if we have this lineup, for example, it could be Dijon, Puig, Artur, and Busquets. You know, any of those three of those four. I think, you know, I think Setien is going to use Busquets even more or have more faith or confidence to have him in the lineup because he really trusts him. You know, I don't think he would roll out a lineup of just Dijon, Artur, and Ricky Puig, you know, because there's just no, maybe, maybe he would. I don't know. Maybe he would. <laughs> <laughs> that would, to me, would be really dynamic and amazing to see those three guys because you put Dijon in the Busquets role and all of a sudden you have Puig and Artur moving in and dancing around. Pfft, oh my gosh, that's amazing because all of a sudden that connection with Messi. The defense doesn't know what's coming at them. Griezmann's moving around. It just works in unison. Yeah, and ostensibly, that's why we got to Young was to take, take over, over the Busquets' yeah. role. Now, yeah. what did you think of the attacking, the front three? Messi still, again, I don't know what his deal is. He goes to the left so much now, right? And the thing was, tonight, he was so predictable that he got a bunch of shots blocked and he wasn't able to play make as much. I mean, there was a bunch of times where he was double covered. And they all pushed him to the left because they knew he was going to go left. And a couple of times he just has to go right just to offset that. And he didn't. And he was also trying to do so much, right, because he knew Suarez wasn't in. Again, I just think it's a trust factor. He never went to the right side to Fatih as much. And when he did, Fatih would try to – he had some really bad crosses. So, again, I want to see Griezmann up the middle. That's what I want to see. I want to see him as the middle, as the point man. And, man, he – again, what can you say about Griezmann? I mean, he, that guy works so hard. I want yeah. him to score so bad. I mean, you remember that play where he just tracked down the guy? Oh, yep. Just like, what happened here, you know? <laughs> uh, so, again, I, if we're going to play this dynamic midfield of, let's say, Dijon, Puig, and Busquets, let's say, this is our midfield, then I think we're okay with Messi and Griezmann just free-floating and becoming a false nine like that because then we have a lot of movement. But, again, I need to see more games because, obviously, this is the first game. But from what I saw – We'll be able, we'll be fine because we are so talented with those two guys. Now, in the 70th minute, this is when the tide started to turn because two things happened. First, Germán Sánchez took his second yellow, leaving Granada with only 10 men. And then a minute later, Ricky Puj came on for Rakitic, leading to about five minutes later, the goal from Messi. I mean, Puj, man, he came in like a firecracker in the match, you know, and he ultimately changed it because. When he came in and he made that steal and that really nice, I mean, all that goal was just really sublime, you know, it was just around the horn, you know, Vidal's back pass and Messi's smooth finishing, you know. Brian, like you said, up to that point, it was kind of nerve wracking because we were making good plays, but we weren't good enough to make those shots. And it was becoming kind of, you can just sense it in the stadium too. I don't know if you could feel it on the TV, but uh, yeah, so you could just sense it. But again, we turned the tide, we got the goal. And then from then we just suffocated them. They had no chances, Brian. They had no chances. And again, they were hacking us pretty good. And again, the referee finally gave the guy the red card. And from that moment on, we were able to even have more dangerous possession, which I think was key. But more importantly, Brian, when we scored the goal, we kept trying to get that second goal a bit. But also we suffocated them out where they had absolutely no chances. Yeah, and one thing I really liked about Puj in this game was not just his skill and his enthusiasm and his youth and his speed – 
it was also the fact that he kept getting up quickly when he got knocked down and he got knocked down a lot and that's something that you know a, those teams that are more going to play more physically that's what they're going to do to him because he's a little on the smaller side he's still not quite you know bulked up and muscular enough yet to really hold them off but they knock him down and he gets right back up he he's unfazed he doesn't care on top of whatever he could do on or off the ball you know, more strategically and more open play. I think that's something he was trying to show sets the end. Like, look, I'm going to get knocked down, but I will get back up. Yeah. And there was a couple of times where the defender just like pushed him down like a child, you know, yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's like, get out of here, boy. This is a man's game, you know, kind of thing. Yeah. But again, for me, the two things, like you said, the way he was able to get back up. But the other thing too, is how dangerous did he look when he was just going on the counterattack? To me, we haven't had that in a long time. So now if you balance that with Messi on the right side and Puj on the left on these counterattacks, you know, you saw how he gave that really nice distribution to Griezmann and he missed the goal by, you know, by a foot, basically. It was a really nice setup. I mean, he it was a hard shot. The attacking mentality that he has to take advantage and see numbers, I think that's what we've been lacking with Rakitic or Vidal in the midfield because you'd never see that. Yeah, and he's just very dynamic. You don't know what he's going to do. He is unpredictable because he's just as strong going to his left as he is going to his right. He's going to spin you around. He'll maintain possession. He'll distribute well. And you don't know what's gonna where he's going to go next. I wonder where he learned that. Hmm, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Is there like a school where yeah. you can learn that? Yeah. Like a soccer academy? Yeah. Huh. Again, I mean, when you see him, you just see everything that he's learned in the La Masia, you know, and that's what's great about it. When he came into the match, I was so excited because I knew he was going to bring something that we were lacking. And it was just that speed up the, up and down and just looking to go directly. I mean, how many times did Rakitic or Vidal really go directly? They just don't have that in their game right now. And that's what we, we need, especially in these tight matches and especially in Champions League run. We're going to need these moments of brilliance where there's going to be a counterattack opportunity and we have to make good on those. So, you know... You've been hearing me talk that I've been overall satisfied with this performance. First match, we won one nothing. We're still up top with Madrid because Madrid won on Saturday. Are you satisfied with this overall performance from Setien and the team? I'm I'm more than satisfied. I would even say I'm what's what's above satisfactory? <laughs> <laughs> excellent. <laughs> I'm pleased. I think it was yeah, I think it was excellent. I mean, I I didn't anticipate some overnight change. Mm. But what I saw was really impressive, very different, and much better than what we've been seeing, what I've been seeing for at least this whole season, probably including the season before that, last season. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, I think the the biggest thing for me was the focus of the team was there. And, you know, from the get-go, there wasn't a malaise that we've kind of seen in the last couple months. And also just that everyone had a clear plan of what their role was, their spacing, and how to help each other. And overall, you know, even though we didn't win 4 nothing, you know, Granada played really well tonight with their defense. They were really disciplined tonight, really staunch. And, and you have to give credit to Granada's defense tonight. But we were able to finally break through. But also the other thing too, Brian, as we've always talked about with Valverde, when he never used the subs, we used the subs with plenty of time for these players to make a big difference. And again, all these little markers, you know, for me, Again, I'm all on board, and I'm really excited to see the rest of these matches. Again, like I told you, Wednesday, Copa del Rey, normally, round of 32, I'd have been like, meh, I'm, I'm good, you know? <laughs> yeah. But now I really want to see what he's going to do 
just more importantly, because now with this three-back system, it's just more exciting. Yeah, yeah. So get on the Kike train, all aboard, leaving the station. That was lame. (laughs) 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 But we will be back on Friday to break down that Copa del Rey match and scout the weekend game with Valencia. Thanks to Max Bluer this week, Barca Talk is a production of Sound It Media, written by Gabriel Quiroga and Brian Henderson, produced by Brian Henderson, social media and promotion by Two Point Go. Until next time, Visca Barca. Sports Social Podcast Network.